If we haven't met, my name is Brian Telzero, and I have the privilege of bringing the closing message to our series, Full Assurance, that comes from Hebrews 10, the full assurance that brings faith. The Apostle John wrote this letter. First uh, John 5 is what our, our whole, or First John is what our whole series has been built on. And in uh, the fifth chapter, he wrote, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. Sometimes we wonder, is there a way to know? Is it possible to be certain, to have full assurance? Well, since the first of the year, we have been talking about and answering that question and saying, yes, there is an opportunity to know of this full assurance. And we conclude this uh, message or this uh, series uh, looking at chapter 5 of John's letter. And so uh, I want to encourage us as we take the opportunity to hear this chapter, or a few verses from this chapter, uh, that we give some uh, direction and conclusion to what it means to really be a faithful servant with full assurance as Becky comes to read our scripture this morning. 1 John 5, verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because he did not believe the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And then moving to verse 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born to God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. We know who also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) You're welcome, buddy. (laughs) Two things are certain in life. Death and taxes. This is uh, believed to be a statement made by Benjamin Franklin uh, said in a letter to Jean-Baptiste Leroy in 1789 where Benjamin writes, our new constitution is now established. Everything seems to be promised that it will be durable. 
But in this world, nothing is certain except for death and taxes. We probably have heard that phrase before, yes? Mm-hmm. Well, nothing is certain except death, taxes, and now we can say salvation, according to the Apostle John. Um, 1 John 5, 11 and 12 were two verses, two of the first verses that I ever memorized as a new believer when I was in high school. Uh, after coming to know Christ, I was giving a set of memory cards from Navigator Press. Maybe some of you remember some of these. And uh, this particular one was entitled, The Assurance of Salvation, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. Uh, and this is his testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. The Assurance of Salvation. But where does this need for certainty come from? Why do we doubt? What is it about our human nature that causes us not to believe, to not trust in the word of God? Doubts, I contend, are a natural part of our faith. If there isn't doubt in our faith, is that blind faith? Well, perhaps. But with doubt, we can make more informed decisions, beliefs, and act upon those. The more we act, think, and feel, the more our faith grows. Now, I used to have conversations with students all the time about their doubts. Does God really exist? Does he hear my prayers? Was Jesus a real person? It's hard to believe God loves us when there's so much pain in the world. I want to believe, I'm just not sure. How can we be certain? Someone who has doubts need not be concerned unless they do nothing with those doubts. Our doubts should pull us, should not pull us away from God, but rather draw us more closely to him. Hebrews 10.22, where we get the title of this series, more fully says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. James writes, come near to God and he will come near to you. Drawing nearer to God helps to resolve some of the confusion or doubt that we might be wrestling with. Doubts often remain because we do nothing with them. Well, our court system functions with a degree of doubt. If someone is charged with a crime, the jury must find them guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in order to get a conviction. Well, what is beyond a reasonable doubt? Beyond a reasonable doubt is the legal burden of proof required to affirm a conviction in a criminal case. In a criminal case, the prosecution bears the burden of providing the defendant is guilty beyond proving beyond a reasonable doubt, all reasonable doubt. This means the prosecution must convince the jury that there is no other reasonable explanation that can come from the evidence presented at trial. In other words, the jury must be virtually certain of the defendant's guilt to render a guilty verdict. Doubt is still considered as part of the process. When it comes to salvation and belief that Jesus is the Son of God and that eternal life is found in Jesus, beyond a reasonable doubt speaks to no other reasonable explanation that comes from the evidence presented about Jesus. But doubt is still considered part of the process. Clearly, we can have full assurance beyond a reasonable doubt when we take an honest and sincere look at the evidence that is 
presented. So let's check out our passage that we have from John's letter. Uh, In this passage, as Becky read through it, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a certain word that popped up several times throughout that reading. Uh, And if we look at the, the bolded text here, you see how many times the word testimony or testify pops up in this passage. Uh, John is trying to make a case about the testimony about Jesus' life. Uh, Eight times we see that word uh, popped up throughout uh, this passage. Now, at the beginning of this, we see uh, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And this is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit the water, and the blood. And the three are in an agreement. Now, the Apostle Paul writes in uh, his letter to the Corinthians, every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. The Spirit, the blood, and the water are these three witnesses. The water testifies in Jesus' baptism when God speaks to him and others are present. Water cleanses and purifies, just as we heard this morning as we witnessed James being baptized. The blood testifies in Jesus' death on the cross. Listen to this historical context that comes from Hebrews 9, just before we have this passage from Hebrews 10. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect until the one who made it is living, while that person is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, wool and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Hence the language we use when we receive communion. It is Christ's blood that cleanses us and refreshes us and atones for us. And then finally, the Spirit testifies in Jesus' resurrection. He is alive, and many witnesses testify to this fact. John is making the case for beyond a reasonable doubt. Jesus is the Christ, and we have life in him eternally. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life beyond a reasonable doubt. Well now, sometimes we need to interview ourselves about our doubts and our questions. John Sherrill referred to some of the tests that we need to hold our thoughts up to according to John Stott. The test of obedience, the test of love, and in fact, I think it was Sam that presented that message on the test of love, and the test of belief. Now, I want to encourage you, if you need more evidence in that and background there, to go and listen to the previous three messages about each of those tests. But I would, it would be wise for us to ask in whatever we are experiencing, is what we are hearing based on truth or lies? Many of us have succumbed to the lies that have been told us early and even late in life. That we are not enough. That we don't really belong. 
that we'll never measure up or somehow we are less than. Some of these have come, these messages have come from families, from our places of work, or maybe some of our so-called friends. Social media does more to perpetuate these lies than anything else throughout all of our time. And yet we spend most of our time reading, watching, longing for assurance that we can only receive from God himself. Nothing else can satisfy. Enough already. You've ever seen the movie The Greatest Showman? There's a song in that movie that depicts kind of the challenges that was one, I believe, one of the most electrifying events of any movie I've ever seen. I mean, chills still come up in watching this scene. Um, And the song is called Never Enough. It's about P.T. Barnum's search for having his longings fulfilled. He's searching for assurance in all of his pursuits to be liked, to be respected, to belong to the valued community. It's never enough. As the song plays in the film, the camera scans back and forth from him to Jenny Lee, who's singing the song, and to his wife and his daughter. And listen to these lyrics. All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. This will be the case for anyone looking to find assurance outside of God's Son. We need not doubt any longer. We clearly have beyond a reasonable doubt. Consider these words from Paul's testimony as he talks about in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. A strong conviction beyond a reasonable doubt for Paul. Jesus' own word says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. From John's own writing in his gospel. And then in his letter, we saw here in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know that you have eternal life. That is full assurance. Yes, we can have that. Well, the second part of the passage talks a little bit about what does that mean to know? What is it that we're supposed to understand? We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and that he's given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. 
And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, when we do something similar I did to the previous passage, uh, look at how many times the word no pops up. We can know this. And he wrote all this so that we may know him who is true. John Sherrill, again, spoke earlier in the series about having no leg to stand on when we look at our own humanity. Yeah, I wish we were in that camp where we could overcome all of sin in our lives. We're not there yet. We are all a work in progress. Seeking his kingdom first. We can accomplish it, that is his assurance, apart from the presence of his son in our lives. This passage assures us that God keeps us safe, that we are his children, and that we are to worship God alone. Only in Christ, as children of God, are we able to not doubt and have faith in Christ. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. Now, earlier in the series, when John was speaking, uh, he brought up a passage in John chapter 2, 1 John 2, uh, where he says, if anyone says, I know him, and my mind went immediately to all the films I had been watching through the course of Christmas. Uh, Buddy, in the movie Elf. Anyone? You remember the scene where Buddy is in the store, in the, in the uh, can we, um, uh, retail store and his manager comes to him and says hey tomorrow morning Santa is going to be here at 10 a.m. and Buddy with incredible enthusiasm says I know him and everybody looks really weird at him uh, at that whole thing but Buddy has no doubt in his mind that he knows Santa and Santa knows him there was such assurance in his voice and enthusiasm uh, the thought of seeing the one and only brought pure joy to him. Now, in my early days of working with Young Life, I was working with some boys at Jenison High School. Three boys were big into basketball, and they were huge Michigan fans. Now, I would assume that we might have some Michigan fans in our audience here uh, this morning. Well, uh, prior to my, uh, well, in, in that uh, time frame, the, one of those boys had been given three, four tickets to a Michigan game, and, but they didn't have anybody to take them. So I said, uh, would you go and take us to the game? I thought, yeah, I would love to. Unbeknownst to them, uh, in my years before coming to Jenison High School, I was working at Forest Hills Central, and we would often go to camp with some boys from East Grand Rapids. And I happened to spend a week with a graduate from East Grand Rapids who was playing on Michigan's team. Uh, some of you might know the name Guard Thompson. Uh, I spent a week with Guard uh, in a Young Life uh, cabin at a camp talking about faith and talking about real issues of life. Well, I didn't let on to the boys that I knew Guard uh, as we drove to, the, to Ann Arbor to watch this game. And I thought, you know, I may not have opportunity to, to come across them. But we got to the game early enough. Uh, our seats were way up, on the, uh, up in the stands. If you've ever been to Chrysler Arena, you know, you can get up there in the nosebleed seats. But um, uh, we decided at earlier part of the game, we could go down around courtside and just see what it was like to be around the court. And I thought, well, if we get close, I'll, I'll maybe see if there's an opportunity. And sure enough, we get the edge of the corner of the basketball court, and Guard is out there practicing his three-pointers. He was a marksman on that kind of stuff. And I just hollered out and said, hey, Guard. He turns around and goes, tells. 
and comes over walking up to me, shakes my hand. I introduce him to the three boys from Jenison. He says, hey, you guys, if you're going to be around afterwards, come and meet me after the locker room. I'd uh, love to catch up and talk to you more. Okay, great. He turns around and goes back to the, to the basketball court. You imagine what those eyes of those boys look like? <laughs> they were huge. You know him. Yes. We are children of the one and only. We know him and he knows us. As God's beloved children, we can trust in the assurance that God has given us and that we have eternal life with him and need to introduce him to whomever God brings across our path. So I ask this morning, what about you? This series has been about the full assurance that we have in Jesus, talked about in Hebrews 10, verse 22. But the full context has a little bit more to it here in this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Again, you hear some of the evidence that uh, was spoken about earlier. Let us then hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So as we close this series uh, this morning, in our full assurance, we are to draw near to God. Even in your doubts, draw near to him. He wants to give you the assurance that you are his. Be hopeful in our full assurance in, of salvation in Christ. We are to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And we are to keep meeting together. Now, I had to take a pause here to, again, encourage us. It's great to see us meeting together in this setting. And uh, you're watching online, and I get it. I'm grateful that we have that opportunity. But if you have the opportunity to come and be in person, there is something really real about being able to be with one another in person. I would highly encourage you to consider a community group, a breaking bread group, some way where you don't isolate yourselves. God wants us to be in community, to be connected with each other wherever we possibly can. So don't give up meeting together as some maybe are in the habit of doing and let us encourage one another all the more until we see the day of Christ approaching. Well, how do we encourage one another? He continues to write, according to this passage, John concludes his letter with a statement, dear children, uh, stay away from idols. I, I find that an odd ending to a letter, do you not? Uh, but there's some reality to this. Um, idols keep us away from worshiping the one true God. They exist in all of the distractions we see in this world. So easy to get seduced. Instagram, Amazon, Netflix, like P.T. Barnum, don't get sucked in. Everything else will never be enough. Our singular call is to worship God alone and to guard our hearts from drifting allegiance to the idols of this world. And John, who wrote this letter, wrote in his first chapter of the gospel, yet to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of a natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but rather born of God. 
full assurance. You and I are his sons and daughters. He who has the Son has life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I give you thanks for the opportunity to consider in this series the assurance that you want us to live in. Even something as simple as the way Buddy's own attitude went. We too can have great enthusiasm to be able to say, I know him and he knows me. Lord, I pray that you encourage us to do the things that we've heard this morning that we ought to be doing throughout this series. To draw near to you, to trust in our full assurance, to encourage one another, and to not give up meeting together, but spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. Help us to live this in all the things we do. Thanks, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.